0: You're listening to the Nutmeg Arena by the NutMeg Assist. Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of the TNA podcast brought to you by the Nutmeg Assist. My name is Ritvik, the host for this show, and today I'm joined by my co-host Chris, like usual. And the special guest for today's episode is Kara Head, who is the social media admin of Bayer Leverkusen's English account, and she's managing them on Twitter as well. I mean, I don't think if anyone who's active on Twitter or football Twitter won't know Bayer Leverkusen account because they are pretty much interactive. Kara manages that as well. So welcome to the show, Kara. Hi,
1: well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Great. <laughs> right, Very welcome. Same. Very
2: welcome.
0: Yeah. And I mean, we'll probably start with, you know, how you actually, we just want to know, first of all, how you actually got into the role that you have. I, I think it's a uh, social media manager, if I'm not wrong. Your post.
1: Right. Uh, I do like social media manager and like content creator. Yeah, I got into it after studying. I, I've been living in Germany for two years. And um, when I was moving back to the U.S., I was kind of looking for a role um, related to the German language. So I wouldn't forget like everything that I just learned. And I came across this job posting and it just happened to kind of be the perfect combination of all the things that I'm good at and interested in. Um, I studied like media production in German uh, at the university and I played soccer, football growing up um, from like the age of four to like 17, I guess. Um, it was like my whole life. <laughs> as a child um, and so yeah it was just this really weird perfect combination of everything
2: oh right <laughs> so that, I mean that, that that's a great story uh, um, you, you've mentioned there Cara that uh, you, you've played soccer your whole life was there a, any kind of a, spe- a special affiliation with German football whilst you were growing up or was it just purely because you were over there with a the German language therefore it was a perfect opportunity
1: uh, as a kid not really because I grew up in Kentucky <laughs> so we didn't really have access to a lot of stuff outside of the premier league um yeah i do remember one german youth team coming over to play like one of our boys teams and that was a really cool experience um but that didn't necessarily push me in the direction i am going in now um yeah so yeah it wasn't something that was um, already in my mind as a kid no
0: great yeah, great to hear that and i mean uh you said that you actually were following the premier league right so did you kind of have a team that you supported
1: not really and that also comes down to access um i had like a bunch of manchester united jerseys at home because that was like the time period where they were like kind of the best and most accessible to um to us but it was normally just following like players more so than anything so like david beckham was a really big name um i think barcelona had a lot of big players at the time um and so it was just kind of taking what you can get but we didn't have like at least in my house in my community we didn't have regular like programming of um, like European matches
3: yeah
0: great great I mean when you mentioned Manchester United uh, there's a little sore grapes right here because I support Liverpool <laughs> so, yeah
3: mm-hmm.
0: um, yeah and Chris Chris actually supports Everton so luckily <laughs> enough, both 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 of our teams are better than his <laughs>
1: yeah but well, I think either for better or for worse I think um, in my situation I didn't really get the chance to identify with the club growing up so I really just yeah. I like really enjoy following the game in general and players yeah maybe just like team chaos
2: or something yeah i mean one one of the reasons i asked my question cara was because at the moment as i'm sure you're aware there seems to be i don't want to say an affiliation but there seems to be a a lot of young american footballers going to germany yeah and it, it, it just seems to be a common theme now, so that's why I thought. Well, maybe when you were growing up playing football yourself, was there a source of any kind of indication that that was going to take off.
1: You know, I, I didn't, like the reason I had to stop playing was kind of like uh, not a great situation because in the US it's really really expensive to play as a kid um and like to play at the top level at least and when i quit as a teenager it was because my father lost his job and it was too expensive and we just couldn't like maintain it anymore and um i think after that i just kind of like shut off the sport for like (laughs) uh, (laughs) a few years because i just was really upset about it and just like the youth culture that existed at the time and so it was hard yeah. to be optimistic, I think, because it was difficult to foresee that we would have opportunities like that. Um, but it, so it's really cool to see now. Obviously, it's like uh, it's like night and day to when I was playing um, yeah. to See people having these like big opportunities. Um, I do think for the most part, most of these guys need dual citizenship, though, um, like the guys who get the opportunity to do it between like 16 and 18, I think. Like like Pulisic, for example, has a like, European passport, so most of them are able to go that way. I don't know if it's like a fully open path for anyone yet, and it's still mostly yeah. like male male players, for example.
2: Yeah, well, mm-hmm. I mean, I, yeah, I yeah. suppose. I mean, just sticking predominantly mate, to the to the the male game at all. I mean, I suppose your Jurgen Klinsmann being manager, of the America also helped. Uh,
3: yeah,
1: because that was of, a big part of his strategy.
2: Yeah, so yeah, I was just, I was just really keen to. Uh, keen to know it, it was something that, sh- that has uh, struck me recently just the amount of American players or players from that area I know uh, Alfonso Davis is Canadian but still that side of the world obviously finding the feet in Germany Probably a lot more successfully than any other European country uh, at the moment. So I just thought, was there any indication for when you said, when you were growing up yourself, whether that was always going to happen? It's just it's great for American football. Uh, yeah, agra- it's massive. Great for. I think, yeah, it's.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's something that I would have predicted because not that things were totally dire, but it just felt like another world that those kinds of things. So to see that happening now is like um, a bit of a shock. And in a good
3: way yeah yeah
0: yeah exactly and uh Cara, since you already answered uh, one of i mean we have a patreon question for you but since you've already answered one of them uh, I, i'd just like to get into the other two as well i mean this yeah. is from our patron Dieter van gogh so one of his questions was that did you ever play football yourself and <laughs> you already answered that so yeah. the other two questions being first being the first one being how does it actually work or how is it to work for a football team? How how does it feel to work for a football team, like, Bayer Leverkusen? And the second one being, are you the only Twitter admin there at Leverkusen? Or, we have, or do we have more people there?
1: Cool. Uh, yeah, so the first one, I think it's great working for, like, a European club. I love, like, that level of football. It's fast and exciting and everything's always changing. And then to be involved in the social media of it, which is also, like, a really industry it's an industry where everything's changing like every single day i really enjoy it it's like you can never be bored there's always something new and you get to be inter- like connected with people all over the world um, every single day I get to talk to someone in like another country and I think I think that's crazy and a really cool experience and yeah I really enjoy that. Um, and to be able to attend some of these games, like things that I would have dreamed as a kid, like never would have been able to do as a kid, like to see a Champions League game um, in person or all of these like Bundesliga atmospheres, those are, um, yeah. Those have been great experiences as well, um, and yeah it, yeah, it gives me a the lot second, of freedom the- to be creative and stuff. So there's a lot that I like about right.
0: it. <laughs> yeah, great. I mean, the second question being, are you the only person there at Leverkusen who's managing the tweet, uh, who's managing the? the-
1: English, the oh. English Twitter, yeah, that's uh, I'm the only person behind it. So I've been doing that. I launched it in like 2015, at the end of the year. About I think it was yeah. around November, and yeah, it's just been me the whole time from then until now.
0: Great, <laughs> right, great. Right. I mean, I, I mean, uh, people normally I don't know I don't know if uh, a lot of people know what a social media manager basically is because I think the whole term actually is relatively new. I don't think we've been hearing some uh, posts like a social media manager for quite a long time, I guess. But yeah, uh, it's
1: very broad as well.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, people normally think when someone manages a social media account that they just have to type some tweets and do some basic research. But can you probably, you know, uh, give us a small idea on what actually I mean, what are different things probably that you get? Uh, that that you are involved with and different types of things that you have to do, probably.
1: Sure. Um, I think it's going to be different for everyone because it is such a broad term and it's so new and um, everyone's responsibilities are going to look a little bit different. But in my specific case, um, obviously, I do like copywriting, community management, um, like videography and photography when I'm there, but I'm always editing videos and photos as well. Um, I do a lot of translation, obviously, from German to English. Um and then yeah, I'm in contact with the team in Labor Cruising like every day. Like making sure we're on the same page and yeah, it's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
3: if you just list out all
1: of the responsibilities, it's like kind of crazy to think that it's all like under one job title. Which is Yeah. yeah, it's a bit crazy if you think about it because I think a lot of times when they're deciding what these roles should be, um it's maybe coming from a generation or two above us and they also are probably using social media a little bit in their personal life. Yeah. And so they think that you're just like posting something like they would do on their like Facebook page or something. Um, but it's actually totally different.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And and I mean, people normally think that you just have to put out a random content out there. But you see football clubs I mean, or handles, official handles of football club tweeting out some really good content. Probably sometimes I see people making animations or gifs, certain gifs which probably involves a lot of work, etc. I think that that's also probably a major, you know. I won't. I wouldn't call it a headache, but it, it's it's probably hard work, basically.
3: Again.
1: Yeah, especially because designers, I think, been um, like the global economy that we have. There's a lot of competition for designers based on where they are and the cost of living where they are, and trying to get a fair rate, for example, for something that takes so long. Um, I think that's a challenge in terms of content.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, With so, Carl, sorry, so. With social media now playing such of a, such a, an active part in in just in life in general, it's uh, some of the responsibilities that you've, you've mentioned there. The job must be like twenty four seven, really, because I mean. Is there, a, is there a minute of any day that, that the the world isn't operating through social media? It is basically, it, it stakes it stakes a big hold in, in everyone's life these days. Do you manage to keep up to date with the football side of things and still follow Leverkusen?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm like tuned into football like 24-7 basically. Um, it's impossible not to be. Even like, um, because that's also my community, my personal channels now, because it's like, it's usually the football community that's like followed me and interacting with me. So basically everywhere I turn, it like goes back to football. Um, But it's, I I mean, I don't want to complain because I think it's such a great role. And uh, yeah it's such a good world to be a part of that uh, I'm grateful more than I am. Like why am I connected to this 24 um, yeah. seven? But it is a difficult job to disconnect from and just take a moment for yourself and not think about it.
2: Yeah. What did you think of the uh, Leverkusen's season as a whole this year and the Bundesliga?
1: You know, it was really, really good. I think it was like, in terms of points, I want to say it was like the best one that they've had since I've worked for them. Um, so it's crazy. In the end, they didn't qualify for the champions league um, with, like Their point total, so that was a little disappointing, but I thought it was a really strong season, and I'm excited going forward because I think, um, the second half of the season was much better than the first. Um, at least before coronavirus hit, it was going that way, yeah. Um, yeah, and like the defensive side, like Tapsoba, for example, was like a huge signing in the back. Um, so yeah, it, it makes me optimistic for the future,
3: yeah, yeah.
0: And I mean, Kara, I mean, if you if you look at uh, if you looked at the table, I mean, post or not, not post, but probably, I'll put it this way, when. Uh, when the when football got restarted after the pandemic pause, uh, there, there was certain competition for the title as well as for the top four and the relegation battle was also very interesting. I mean, word yeah. Ver, of Bremen probably probably would have gone down, but they've survived now. Basically, they won the playoff, and unfortunately, Düsseldorf and Paderborn are down. But yeah. for the top four race, it was a very close contest. I I mean Leverkusen, Gladbach. Yeah, closer than
1: in recent years, for sure. And,
0: Exactly, and I mean, there was no home and away advantage was, was there. I mean, actually, Chris and I was discussing on the Bundesliga a few weeks back. We, we were doing a pod and uh, we were mentioning this that, I mean, there's no longer a home or an away ground. I, th- I think the number of away teams that have won has kind of, shot up since since the restart
1: yeah so. it kind of changed everything a little bit um obviously it was a huge <laughs> event but it would have been interesting to see how the season would have finished if things had continued as they were up until like mid-march because i think things were so crazy and um i think the fans especially in the bonus league make the biggest difference exactly. um, yeah so it's just like a totally different energy and yeah i don't know it's like if you saw the Pokal final, for example, um, it was really unfortunate for that to take place without fans. Because I think when you have these like big teams um, versus... I don't know, when there's an underdog and um, a big team, it's the fans will make a big difference in those games. Yeah, um, exactly. And yeah. the underdog has a bigger chance when they have their fans behind them and stuff. And so to watch a final without that, um, not only in the Pokal, but in other leagues and competitions as well, yeah. um, it's difficult because you're just like... I don't know. Something's big is missing, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. trying to complete a puzzle without some
2: of the pieces. Yeah. And how how do you think? G- I mean, G- Germany was the the first country back out the major out the major leagues to get football restarted again. How do you think Germany as a country, or sorry, how do you think Bundesliga, how do you think the Bundesliga as a whole uh, handled that? Handled getting football back in place and and bringing it and bringing it back without the fans.
1: Well, I think that German society just speaks a lot to it. It's it's a society that's very evidence-based. People trust information. Um, they're, like, very united. And um, I think they're just a society that tries to work for the best of everyone. And so... They have a good structure, and um, maybe things are not as divisive there as you see in the U.S. or like even in the U.K. Sometimes. Um, yeah. And they're more responsible, I think, with their information. Like in the U.S., there can be like hate speech and misinformation on like major news networks, and um, you just don't see that uh, in a lot of other places. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, but in general, like I think German society is very—they um, seem to trust in their government and are obedient. And um, yeah, it's just yeah. yeah I, I,
2: I when 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 the rumors when the pandemic hit and all the all the rumors and all the sort of information that was getting passed around all the European leagues when football was going to come back and then I mean I thought the Premier League sort of I don't want to say it handled it poorly but they were sort of like well we're we're going to restart in April. Then we're going to restart in May. And then you, I thought Germany were just so <laughs> just so efficient with with their planning uh, yeah. that they they, they they didn't give any sort of misinformation out. And maybe maybe that's the wrong term to say misinformation, but they didn't give any sort of, oh, we're going to start on this date. We're going to start on that date. They just sort of slowly planned it. And
1: yeah, and that, that comes down to like how cautious they are and how like evidence based they're society's run. I think um, they do. Think in a very practical way, and yeah, yeah. It's just I think it's just a difference in how the leadership and the people, um, the relationship between the two.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And and Kara, I guess I think uh, probably the interactions on social media, especially Twitter, might have you know gone up by numbers during that whole pause. I mean, probably I mean from personal point of view for you, probably you'd have to you know try something different because there are no games so you will have to probably you know think of creating new content how to get interactive with fans more and more so was it probably tough for you that that particular period
1: to be honest i think it wasn't as tough for me as it was for or that it appeared to be at other clubs because in my opinion like my strategy has always been that community is king over content and i've spent like the last years building a really strong community um I think so much so that even if I just say, like, hello, um, it gets a good response. Um, And so that really, like, worked in my favor during the downtime because it was like, okay, we just kind of have to change the conversation and it's going to continue as is. Um, But there were opportunities to do more creative things. Like, we did the Connect Four game um, with Whole City that was really, really fun Um, the weekend after everything shut down. Um, and then, yeah, I guess it pushes you to be a bit more creative in how you use content and stuff. But in general, I think the community um, remained as responsive and interactive as they always are.
2: And do, do you find that to be a co- a common thing, Cara, when you, uh, as part of your job role, is communicating with other clubs? So say other clubs have similar people in roles such as yourself. Do, do you communicate with them? Do you, fi- do you find yourself communicating them through... For, for your job role often. um,
1: it's normally like like when it happens organically like that situation i think that was something where uh i had just said something like what should we do with our downtime to the fans and a fan yeah fans were suggesting all this stuff and a fan said let's play connect four and so i was like okay let's do it and then they never came back so then whole city just jumped in and we're like well we'll play <laughs> and then it just turned into this big thing like really organically um and i think those are really important Um, I don't think like you want to still look authentic and it's hard to look authentic when you are planning these sorts of things with clubs all the time, um, because it looks orchestrated and not genuine. And so that's not a big part of our strategy unless, um, I think obviously if we're playing international teams in the champions league or Europa league or something, that's a big opportunity to, um, have some fun interactions, but I wouldn't say it's something that we actively try to orchestrate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and
0: and, I mean I mean if you put you you just mentioned that there, right? I mean if you just put a hello from the official handle, you see a lot of interactions down there. I mean sometimes I I do get in there myself as well. I mean part of my friend who follows the account just got a follow back and he was happy and thrilled. So he was sharing that in a group saying that oh yeah, I I just got followed by the best (laughs) social media football account and he was celebrating so yeah, I mean that probably speaks a lot on you know, how how good or how well you're doing a your job, basically, and I think that that probably should be a praise for yourself, and as as well as you know, the whole setup or the or how the club is all managing and stuff, social media stuff, basically. But coming on to. Social media and football, basically, I mean, you have different sets of people there. I mean, it's a very polar environment, I would say, Uh, I mean, you have you have different kinds of people. I mean, sometimes you see a lot of casual racism going on here and there. I mean, there's a whole negative side to it and also a positive side to it. And when when you actually see negative comments and stuff like that on, on your timeline and stuff, how do you actually respond to it? Because as a human being or as I mean, as person yourself it's probably sometimes even hard to, you know, uh, control your emotions at times and probably not respond. But how, how do you manage all those stuff? Um,
1: I think thankfully most of the interactions that I see are positive and those like far outweigh the negative ones. And I think I come from a place where I'm like lucky enough to be like mentally in a good place. So I, um, it's not something that I really struggle with, the negativity, I just kind of, I don't know, keep going and um, try to focus on the positive because that's um, what's gonna be rewarding. Focusing on the negativity doesn't help anyone. Um, And so it's mostly just kind of amplifying the positive and not giving attention to things that don't deserve
0: it <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly i mean like, i mean like i said like uh, i mean there's been a lot going on probably in the last 3 months not, not just football wise i mean the whole uh, george floyd thing black lives matter i mean it, it's probably one of the biggest moments probably that's that's happened in probably i don't know probably the last 10 years or so i, I would say maybe because it caused such a huge outrage and you see even football players out there you know, rightfully giving their, you know, support to all this stuff because that, that that's probably the right thing to do. And I mean, there are times when you see social media having difference of opinions on this and all. But yeah, like you said, like you said, I mean, sometimes you do have to manage, manage the stuff and stuff and not. But again, coming on to maybe uh, football a bit. I mean, you talked about Leverkusen, obviously, and how uh, the Bundesliga has been this season. But I mean, I just want to bring Schalke into this mix. I mean when, okay. when when Bundesliga restarted they were probably a contender for the, the top 4 a european spot but they kind of slipped away so much under David Wagner right? I, I I really don't know what happened out there and suddenly it looks like there's a huge mess there so do, I mean what's your whole take on I mean, Schalke's season basically yeah, the whole season I'm actually, not
1: then? super informed on like everything going on at Schalke and I can only really speak to my opinion but I do think that every club has had to deal with um like in Germany I was of Germany uh every club's had different such like responses to the coronavirus and different um financial burdens and um yeah everyone's had different kind of burdens in general not only financial and I think it's a lot to deal with and um some clubs have had bigger problems than others and I think in Schalke's case it seems that they've maybe had a lot more to deal with than some of the others and maybe that's like overflowed to the pitch a bit but yeah I don't know it's difficult to say because it's such a unique situation that we've not seen like in our lifetimes where um the kind of, like whole world shuts down as it did um and so it's hard to really speak to why some teams like were able to manage it and why some took like such a big downturn
0: yeah true true that's true yeah and maybe moving on from this particular topic now uh, you you are actually one of one of the women representatives in football i would say i mean football probably a few years back might have been kind of a male dominated uh, what do you say industry or something because i would
1: say it's definitely still male dominated <laughs> I don't yeah yeah
0: great women. yeah <laughs> I, 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 I would actually agree with your point there but but there's been a shift there's been a slow shift or a slight shift i would say probably i mean even if you look at uh women's football as well i mean certain players from especially the u.s women's national team i mean they've kind of right. set a big big example for people all over the world i mean i see people from india even now i mean india is a country where i mean football's never i mean football's not the primary sport here it's it's always been been cricket and i do think it will be cricket for probably the foreseeable future i, I think football has a huge leap to make here but to be honest i mean I, i've spoken with a lot of people who are working as journalists and who have more idea on how the national teams work and on different players and i i've spoken to a lot of them and most of them have have actually told me that the women's team here are more potent than the men's national team, which probably speaks a lot. And with uh, yeah. the U.S. national team, you know, kind of inspiring a lot of young girls as well. I, I do see p- some people wearing, I mean, the U.S. women's national team jerseys as well, So, which, which is kind of, you know, setting an example. That yeah i imagine
1: it's also happened. um i imagine it's massive for youth players because i remember as a kid obviously i had like Mia ham um as an example but most of my like idols when i was young um, were male like i really loved like rivaldo or the first ronaldo um a lot of the manchester united players like david beckham like all of these players were men and then you become a certain age and you're like 12 13 and you're like wait uh those aren't career paths that I can have. Like I'm not a man. Um, I can't do that. Um, and it kind of brings you down a little bit. I think as a kid, because you're like, okay, the, like my options are a lot different than I imagined. Um, when you have that like point of realization, and I think kids now um, have examples where they can build like a good life, um, like the U.S. women's national team now, um, and like just the future of being a female player. Um, looks totally different and i think it's much more positive now um than it was when i was growing up and that um is really nice to see
0: yeah and honestly speaking i mean i'll be very honest here i mean i watched the women's world cup and i was pretty impressed and i mean so i thought that okay let let me go and watch more women's football and i downloaded the uh, app to watch the uh, women's super league in england I, i think they have an application for that where you can catch the games because yeah, I mean, we definitely don't have uh, you know the telecast and stuff here. So someone right. was actually telling me that I, I guess it was Jasmina Schweimler, I guess, uh, who's who's a writer or journalist, I guess, and she works for Wolfsburg. And I mean, she she I guess it was her who suggested to down, suggest me to download the app, and I downloaded it, but unfortunately, it got canceled because of the virus. And uh, yeah, yeah. So probably. Well, oh, and have you see the priority,
1: the the priority that's given to the men's league. Exactly. Uh, in certain situations, mm-hmm. but um, I don't know, That's just something that you have to deal with. I think the FA in England literally banned women's football for 50 years, so um, there's a lot to overcome still. But things are looking better than they were even five to ten years ago.
0: Yeah, maybe, maybe I think Chris can probably update a bit because he's from Merseyside and maybe I, I, I don't know how the women's football scene is there right there. Probably Chris can probably shed in some light like there.
2: Yeah, I mean. The, the women's game again. I'm going to talk here, sort of pre uh, pre pandemic. Uh, the the women's game over here is is very well thought of. It's re- I mean, especially probably the last eighteen to twenty four months. I mean, it's really took off. Uh, I mean, the success that Chelsea women's team had. I mean, Everton's women's team had, had some success as well domestically, and it's really uh, it's it, it, it's really well thought of. Uh, I don't know, again. Uh, as Carla mentioned, there uh, once the pandemic hit, everything seems to be focused around the men's game. When are we getting the men's game back? What, what's going on? That? And I don't—I'll uh, be completely honest. I don't know the—I don't know the effect of uh, what the uh, COVID has had on the women's game, and whether it will sort of slowly. Whether it'll take probably—I imagine it would probably take that the effect has been a lot stronger, and it will take longer for him, for them to reach the heights that it's had say over last year but i mean just speaking about the women's game on a more positive note i thought the world cup was just a fantastic sort of advertisement for it mm-hmm. is that something that you agree with i mean the games were so Definitely. entertainment
1: and all so, of the games a lot of them were so full like packed stadiums yeah. and um the viewership was like setting records i think it was really nice to see um yeah as i said Uh, It's so much different than even just a few years ago Um, and things seem to be like on an upward trajectory. And I, yeah, I don't know. I hope it will continue to grow. Um, Obviously, it's great for sport and society when women are seen as more equal and have better opportunities.
3: Yeah,
0: and and I think the 2023 Women's World Cup as well, probably. I I don't know. I, I mean, I heard a lot of people saying on Twitter again. That uh, I mean they, they kind of were no doubtful over how much how much audience the 2023 World Cup could actually gather because of the whole pandemic because at that time at that time we I mean we, we were expecting much worse but I, I don't know yeah. probably in some countries it might I mean it it has improved. Countries like New Zealand, they've kind of managed it well. But uh, and, and eventually, it's Australia and New Zealand, I think, who won the bid. I mean, Brazil was there yeah. in the mix as well. And it, it would have been huge for Brazil had they actually won the rights to host the tournament. But I mean, in a way, Australia and New Zealand is, is also a good choice because that probably might gather more support from the Asia-Oceania region because I think... Uh, from from asia probably from india if, if you get a lot of people following women's football i I think that 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 would probably help the sport grow m- yeah. much more and you have
1: talents coming from those regions more and more now as well exactly um, so i don't know i think that just proves that the women's game has a, a place like all over the world it doesn't just have to be in like a traditional like football environment like brazil um it can be in newer places as well um
0: exactly it just kind th- of
1: shows that the game is welcome everywhere
0: yeah i i mean japan has done a pretty good job there i mean in terms of football even even if women's sport or Mm -hmm. men's sport i mean they've been kind of creating a a football culture there since uh, early 2000s and they kind of did well in both departments and i think now it's up to the other countries to probably you know match them i mean just from the asia Asia region i would say and in, in india also i guess we rarely see an Indian player, you know, move abroad and play. And I think one of our biggest football legends is a guy called Baicheng Butia. He's one of the biggest legends and he's <laughs> actually played for Buri in uh, England, but he, he didn't click there and he had to immediately return back to India. And the men's national team goalkeeper, Gurpreet Singh Sandhu, he's played for, I mean, he's played in Norway the second division in Norway and then again he's he's come back to India so when and and also Sunil Chetri who's probably arguably the best Indian footballer ever he went to Sporting Lisbon and he played for the B team there didn't succeed Went to Kansas City in, in the U.S., in the MLS. Again, not, not, not a huge impact there. Again, he returned back to India. But you look at the women. I mean, we have uh, the national team goalkeeper here, Anti Chauhan. She actually was doing her studies in England. And she got a chance to play for West Ham, West Ham women. So that, that, that was probably a big break. And recently... Mm-hmm one of our best players or, or our best player india's best women's player bala devi she actually got an offer from rangers she she signed for them and played a few games unfortunately again due to the pandemic her contract got cancelled so that, that that's yeah. probably a shame that that's exactly i mean that that's that's something i probably want to bring up as well you see but the i think
1: that like i think that like also speaks while you're on this to speak to a bigger point when we really want the women's game to grow as well we have to make it so Women aren't just like signing contracts next to something else that they're doing. Like, you have women pursuing degrees or working full time jobs. Uh,
0: exactly. Yeah.
1: And doing all these other things to sustain their football career. And um, that shouldn't be happening. I mean, imagine a man playing for Barcelona had to like go work a job, a different job, like the first half of the day.
3: It's, <laughs> uh, <laughs> exactly. it's crazy. Yeah.
1: Like, the things that you're expected to do as a woman to try to succeed in the sport. Um, I mean, all of my peers who went on to play, like, professionally um, had to have, like, two or three sources of income just to be able to, like, sustain their career. And that's just, that's not right. And a sport that should make so much money eventually.
2: Yeah. When, uh, when Antonio Conte left the Chelsea job uh, and before Maurizio Sarri took the job, uh, it was quoted Emma Hayes, who has been a very successful Chelsea manager. It was yeah. quoted that she wanted to apply for the Chelsea job. At the time, to actually be head coach of Chelsea male's team, and there was some there was some proper discussions in in the English media, as you can imagine, as to whether this year should be allowed or whether it would be good for the game, <laughs> etc. Yeah. Now, g- given the way, she, given how successful she was with the with the women's team, her resume and a CV would have been. More than applicable to actually apply for the Chelsea job. Is that something that you would like to see in the future? Women getting involved in the men's game.
1: Yeah, I mean, why not? And also, if these clubs are willing to take risks and spend like tens of millions of dollars on coaches who don't prove to be successful, why would they not take a chance yeah. um, on a woman? Um, I mean, look how many chances Mourinho has been given <laughs> uh, <laughs> to earn like so much money, and which is fine. He has like a successful background, but. I don't see why women um, shouldn't be given similar opportunities and similar chances.
2: Yeah. Do you not think... Not, it, oh, sorry, go on. Go
1: sorry. on. And I just said it's not something that's even exclusive to football. If you look at, like, the entertainment industry, um, like, female directors are given far less opportunities than um, their male counterparts. And it's just something that needs to change on, like, every level. Um, yeah. I think football is a great opportunity to be an example of what that could look like. But um, yeah. there's still such not- a long way to go.
2: Yeah. yeah. Do you not think the women getting involved in men's game, that would be a detriment to the women's game?
1: No, I don't think so. If anything, it would be um, it would show that they're the same game. I think a lot of times I see men trying to make the argument that the women's game is different or slower or whatever. Um, But at the end of the day, it's the same tactics. It's the same same rules, same uh, path to get a coaching license. Um, There's no reason why like they I mean, men coach in the women's game and it's not an issue. Yeah. Um, I see no reason why someday that it couldn't be more of like a just a thing a that mix. you
2: do. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually. Yeah. See, what, in an ideal way, what, what I would love to see, and I know they started doing it last year, is I would love the women's game all around the world. Maybe you can uh, mention it a bit better than what I could say in Germany. I'm, I'm sure it's going to happen in America. Is the women's game given appropriate financing? to actually give themselves yes. a platform to take off to j- yeah jiv- so I, w- 100%. I I yeah i wouldn't mind the men's games sti- staying uh, sticking to the males and the women's game females and letting and promoting the sport because like i said the, the world cup proved how entertaining it could be and how great it was and how great the games were and like you mentioned there that some some of the games tactically were so intriguing in that world cup i was like seeing different formations and i was seeing them playing out from the back and seeing different strategies i thought that the game is so advanced from a female perspective a lot more advanced than what i'll hold my hands up though i thought it was i thought this game could given the right financing and given the right advertisement the 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 female side of the game could really take off around the world but i suppose there's a lot of
1: responsibility too that like organizations need to take and realize what they've done in the past to like hinder the development of the game i think the women's game in the early 1900s was quite popular in the uk for example but the fa banned it from um for 50 years and then didn't even apologize for doing that until 2008 i think um (laughs) and then now like the game continues to be severely underfunded and um just so many hurdles that the women's game has had to face um, that the men have never really had to. Um, yeah. and I don't know, I think there are like people who will argue like, oh, the women's game doesn't deserve special treatment. It should go organically. But there are so many parts of the women's game that has been hindered, um, like for the sake of the men to, to enhance the men's yeah. game.
3: <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, there is a respo- yeah.
1: there is a responsibility there that I think a lot of organizations just aren't taking on they should be and especially when it comes to financing and giving the support that's needed to grow i mean if the men have like half a century (laughs) of advantage over um the women then maybe there's some catching up to do and maybe there's a way that money can help do that
2: yeah of course and the tv i think i think getting getting the game marketed in the right way and the appropriate way is essential i mean we live in a we live in an era now where tv money is vital Not only Mm -hmm. to the males game, to to various sports, and you look at some of the stuff that you see now on Sky Sports, for example, some of the during the the pandemic, some of the some of the dross that you had to watch. Forgive me uh, for for saying that on Sky Sports, some of the oldest games, and you just thought, there's an area where women's football could be played on the telly, and people would watch it. People would watch it. (laughs) yeah and it just doesn't really? seem to be s- s- seem to be there i mean there, there was a game that i was watching uh during lockdown and i thought how's this even on the telly now and then i was thinking of the games that that they could have put on from the world cup and don't get me wrong sky might have not had the contract etc and i, I know there's sort of always sort of legal matters and things like that but you saw yeah yeah and i just thought Where the clubs were the, playing
1: like their historic matches, and it's like, why would you not promote your women's team during
2: this time? Yeah, like you have
1: exa- plenty of space to do
2: that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I thought, yeah, but not only on uh, satellite TV, but uh, all areas of TV. There were the, the, there's areas for the women's sports, uh, not just sports, but uh, sorry, not just football, but women's sports to be played on. And I don't know if that's a, a marketing issue, for maybe from the women's side, but there, there, is definitely a, there, there is definitely areas there that it can get promoted. And, and it's not for whatever reason. And I think football associations, not just in England, but maybe right. all over the world, need to take responsibility for that.
1: And I think also in the US, I mean, we're still growing the men's game as well here. Um, yeah. And if you look at our sports broadcasters who get the rights to these games um, in Europe or like the national leagues here a lot of times they're hiring people who who just have not been exposed to the sport at all. And, um, a lot of these people making like decisions haven't been exposed to the sport at all. And so they're kind of promoting it. Like they're promoting something they don't even fully understand. Um, And so the broadcasters typically don't do a great job in general of promoting these leagues. And that goes for men's and women's um, side of it. And so uh, I think the U.S. is a good example of like not like how to do it, but to kind of just watch and see how things go. um, Yeah. Because we are having to grow both sides of the game here. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I was going to say, but well, the yeah. women's
2: team has technically been more successful than the men's team.
1: The national yeah. team, yeah. But that yeah, also na- speaks to um, the women were invested in here much earlier than in other countries. Um, yeah. And I think that just shows the importance of promoting, like the impact that it has to promote and um, invest in something because you can't just, I don't know, you can't just expect it to grow on its own um yeah it takes time and um, investment and um attention you have to yeah um, um yeah i don't know it's such a big topic and there's so many yeah. different um things i feel about it like practically and emotionally
3: yeah <laughs> um, it, it, that, and it's
2: not uh, it's not just from a professional i mean we're, we're what we R- 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 brought up as well and yourself i mean we're talking predominantly here from a professional side of it or oh, sorry at the top end of the game, I mean, I've got two little girls myself and I'm looking to get them into football and especially my youngest one because she's a real live wire and she's got loads of energy <laughs> and I wanted to burn as much energy out as possible. Yeah. So uh, I'm looking to get her involved in football now. I see, I can only talk about my area in Liverpool uh, more than, sorry, against, against cities around Europe, but I mean, there, it is quite good here. From what they're seen to be doing at a young age i mean they do they're trying to get girls involved from from as uh, as an early age as three, which yeah. i think is which i think is great it's certainly a step in the right direction i mean is that again i imagine america being the same or, or am i wrong on that yeah car? well
1: that was even true when i was a kid um and i do think that's true for girls and boys like every little kid basically probably played the sport at some point um because it's one of the first like team sports that you have access to and so it's always been true when you're very young that it's an option it's just an issue of how it's sustained as you get older and yeah. what sort of opportunities you have um to pursue it as uh, a career eventually it's um not a path that's like laid out as clearly here as it is in places in europe
0: yeah yeah
1: but that's and also actually, changing, i mean I guess, yeah, yeah go on, care,
0: go on care, yeah no no i uh, was just saying that
1: course. it was um, it's changing as academies are starting to be formed, like with the support of teams, um, like MLS teams are having their own. Um, and I think that's what makes a big difference in Europe is that they have these like youth academies that are funded by the clubs. And there's an environment where you can already kind of train as if you were going to be an eventual professional. And um, those kinds of things are important. So. Hopefully yeah. we see more. And I,
0: I, yeah, actually, I mean, Chris, Chris touched upon, I mean, uh, you know, getting his uh, daughters into the game. I mean, I have a younger sister myself, and I mean, we used to kick the ball here and there when, when we were young, actually. I mean, she, she's younger than me, and when she, she used to ask me about football and stuff, when she was saying, uh, apparently right now she's kind of lost interest in football as such. I mean, she, she doesn't watch games and all, but we used to kick ball here and there, and we used to take penalty kicks and all i mean it 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 was probably fun but i actually saw or i actually had people come to me and ask i mean does women have or or do women have actually a football game or do do, or do women actually play football i mean this is this is 10 12 years back when they said this probably at that time i wasn't too much aware i said no women do, do play women do play because i i actually had a little idea that there was a women's game as well, but not extensively because of the reasons that I quoted earlier. But if you see right now, this was probably 10 to to 12 years ago. But if you see right now, if you see a woman playing football, I mean, the the society's thinking has kind of progressed, which is probably a good sign, which is probably a very good sign.
1: I think young girls now can like dream of a future in football um, in a way that I could not as a kid. Um, I don't think that young girls now will experience that same kind of uh, jarring moment where you realize that you're not equal to a man that you don't have the same future I think girls now um, can dream of a future and that's really exciting and promising for the future of the game
0: exactly and and do you think do you think that probably a mixed game a mixed a mixed all-star game or stuff probably at the end of the season probably like an exhibition game or thing probably can help this
1: um I don't know. I don't think it would hurt it. Um, I don't know that it's necessary um, because I don't think that we are um, trying to necessarily equate the games. Um, it's more of lifting them to the same level of um, like promotion and investment and making sure it eventually is as big as the men's game. But I don't think that we have to play with men to prove that point. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. 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 So yeah, probably that's it. Probably with this podcast. Thank you, Kiara, so much for
3: yeah,
0: joining us. Joining us, on the, it's been a pleasure talking yeah, to you. Thank you and, for
1: having me.
2: Yeah, no, great. very welcome. You're very welcome. Yeah. It's been great.
0: And I mean, the only thing probably that I have to say is keep up the same work going on with Leverkusen because I, I don't think anyone probably would, you know, probably would disagree with me here because you're doing an amazing job there yeah, at Leverkusen. Thank
3: you so much. Yeah, <laughs> thank you.
1: <laughs>
2: And let's hope next season they're in the Champions League. Let's hope they can keep hold of Kai Yes, habits. Or maybe we
1: can win the Europa League. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, oh, and you know, then we can get there this season.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But let's hope I do, they, uh, they can finish it off next season. Exactly. I, yeah. I do
0: really hope yeah. that Leverkusen will keep Kai Havertz because he, he is an amazing footballer. I mean, I've been following probably for him for the last three, four years. I I remember writing a scout report on him probably in 2017 for a Liverpool side. But, I mean, I I seriously love the guy and now he's linked with Chelsea and I don't know what will happen. Probably something will come out. It's crazy to see
1: how he's like, how quickly he became um, so integrated into the squad because he just kind of came up at 17 like randomly not even at the start of the season i want to say it was like a month or two in and then just to watch his career the last like four seasons has been wild
0: exactly yeah. Yeah. and, and yeah. i think he he, he had the d- dilemma of choosing to write his exam or probably to play a champions league game
1: yeah that was really funny <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i remember that yeah. and it wasn't i think the coach told him to take his exam yeah
3: <laughs> yeah yeah. So yeah,
0: that's that's probably it with this podcast. Thank you again, once again, Kara for joining Thanks. us, and thank you. same to
1: you, Chris.
2: Yeah. Now, pleasure as always. Great exactly. speaking to you guys.
0: And thank you to all our listeners as well for tuning into this episode. Hope you enjoyed this as well, like usual. Until next episode. Bye bye.